0: Yards that is a duel from Tim K. Hill
1: has done it again. What a goal by Tim K. Thompson. Uh, five goals to Archie.
2: And the league <laughs> champion, On 11.16, SEN, the 4 Diego.
3: G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diegos on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this uh, fine Wednesday night and uh, thanks to Finey. Nice to see Finey. It's our first time of seeing Finey actually uh, because um haven't seen him for a little while because we've been off and uh, he's been off so <laughs> we kind of uh, ran into each other. It was very nice and you can catch Mark Fine tomorrow night from 7 as you can most nights. Every night and except... Uh, during the footy, then you catch him for finding, finding his final siren, of course. But uh, Vinny Venezuela, you're here as well.
4: Good evening, uh, Rodrigo. Can I just say, I know it's, we do a football show here, but can I not know the results of the Man U game because my <laughs> app's frozen <laughs> and I'm just waiting to see how it unfolds?
3: Yeah, look, you're going to have to. It's going to have to hurry up because uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll divulge yeah. that in the second half of the show tonight.
4: How did go Don't tell me how no, late went. I'm no, sure no. he scored. Well, he would have scored. He did.
3: Um, g'day, Warren. You look very. Uh, very happy to be here tonight.
1: He's uninjured, that's all I'd say. <laughs> good, good. Slats is uninjured. Yeah, for one week.
4: Man who can, how good is he? But anyway, say hello to Warren and then move on.
3: Yeah, and Carlos Alberto Diego, you're here as well. Hello, um, yeah, Rodrigo,
2: to see you. it's good to see you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Warren, uh, you know, the man who can, without the ACL that you wished for last week, uh, played very well on the weekend. And I, and I hope that you will be apologising to all the Man U fans out there. Plus, Slatan uh, Ibrahimovic's family, <laughs> who were distraught after last week, you wishing upon <laughs> oh, him an ACL. Oh, 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 that's, that's it was disgraceful. Uh, in fact, I'm distancing myself, as I again, have all the week, again. again, yes. Further away, I'm actually doing my bit from Swan Street, <laughs> Richmond at the moment, because I don't want to be in the same studio with someone who
1: wishes ill on someone else. Did yeah. do you see what... Oh, no, Vinny doesn't know he scored, but he did score. <laughs> yeah, him, I did see. You. He came over to the sidelines and yeah. actually, thank you, Warren. He went like this. <laughs> w, big W. w. You know, yeah. he, I don't think
4: you're human if, if you can't, if man who can, can't bring you over to watch him play no, no. for for any club. I know. Well, I'm clearly he, not human. I'm mesmerised by him. I, I'm clearly I'm just, not human. He was fantastic. He's just Dominant, fair player.
3: Mm. Got a big show tonight. Uh, we've got Mike McGrath coming up a little bit later on. The Bosses series uh, mm. continues. Uh, football Bosses series <laughs> continues. Uh, Peter Philopoulos coming up a little bit later on as well. Really nice to talk to him. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll uh, we'll talk to more football bosses and uh, give you their thoughts early on um, before, the, before the season proper starts. Uh, Warren's rant coming up. Uh, we've got a whole lot uh, And before we go to the hot topic Congratulations to Bentley Greens oh, Yes, Who won the Doherty Cup 1-0 against Green Gully Paksgalski scored uh, in extra time So I went to extra time um, We weren't there of course Because we had to prepare long and hard for mm. the show But uh, congratulations to Bentley Greens Both FFA Cup uh, play, yep. uh, teams this year So good win there There you go so, um, they're,
2: they're, they're spraying the spumanti in the change rooms <laughs> as, we, as we speak if anyone's out, by the way, anyone at the game, yeah, driving home yeah. right now, is celebrating or even commiserating for the Green Gully. It's a long trip for the Green Gully boys back. I'm not sure where they played it, actually. Uh, don't know if it was a Bentley Greens, but if they have, it's a long trip back. Give us a ring, 942-911-16. Just have a little bit of a chat about what the game was like. It was a Doherty Cup final uh, in yesteryear. There used to be a really big, big occasion. I'm not quite sure it's as big these days, especially they're playing on a Wednesday night, so it's not really on a weekend or anything like that, but it's... Historically, a really, really big mm. competition. It's
3: still meaningful. Uh, yeah. um, Warren Diego, the hot topic tonight. Um, what is it?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm clearly cocka a hooped this week because <laughs> um, Liverpool won Yes. comfortably. And uh, the changing of the guard in Melbourne right. o- occurred officially this what week, happened? Rodrigo. Well, Super Tim, <laughs> oh, yes. Timmy Kale comes to Melbourne. He chooses one club in Australia to come back to, to... It's almost the coronation of his career. I yes, because it was
4: all pro bono, wasn't it, Warren? That he just came for the love of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he,
1: just he wants did, to give because back. his son. He just wants to give back. His son decided that staying in China wasn't good for his his oh, son's his, his son's his career. career. His so, son's so, so, career. No, his son told him. Yeah. So,
3: what's the hot topic? <laughs> we'll get on to, to we'll is about this
1: what I'm doing now? Is there's a technical term for this in radio? Isn't Setting there? it up. Yeah, but don't take the whole show to. Well, now that (laughs) now that Melbourne City are clearly the number one team (laughs) in Melbourne, the number one team in Melbourne. Okay, Victory, who have been clearly need to respond. (laughs) Oh uh, look!
4: So what? So what is the hot topic?
1: <laughs> is, how look, are Mel- for Melbourne Victory fans out there? How are they going to respond okay. to the fact that City are now the number one team? They own this
2: town, City. Yeah, you just slaughtered that hot
3: topic. You slaughtered it. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. What should Melbourne Victory's response be? Yes. to Melbourne City, um, their recruitment of Timmy Cahill. That was yes.
1: fairly succinct. And
2: yes. They've got to respond. They've got to respond to it. Yep, because it's in their
3: DNA to respond. Absolutely. 0433 98 1116. Love to hear from you tonight. Hey, um, I told you to just slow down because it's time for the Q&A. It's uh, 12 past 11. Yes, yeah, a bit of Disco Inferno get you going on a Wednesday night here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of disco. Uh, <laughs> let's start. Look. Let's start with Tim Cale, because we kind of did. But just from the perspective of, uh, of course, we've known this was going to happen. It's official now. He's already trained with the boys. There's even talk Mm. that he might play an FFA Cup game. Carlos, I can I'd see be you looking at you shaking your head. I'd
2: be shocked if he does. But anyway, he, But he if, might start it, giving back to the to the grassroots by doing that. If I,
3: anyone would, Super Tim would. Oh yeah. I've got to say, I loved his press conference. I thought he said some great things. He was very matter-of-fact. He's here to play and he's here to he's here to help. And <laughs> um, he's here to get a lot of money too. But uh, yeah. just what are your initial thoughts, guys? Vinny?
4: I'm excited. I, I, I think it's going to be good for everyone in... In, in, uh, in the game, and hopefully it'll get a few more people interested. But but really, he's here to do a job, and the pressure's on Melbourne City to make the most of him, and hopefully he will deliver and live up to expectations, because he is a big name, and he's an exciting footballer to watch. But it's not going to be easy, Rodrigo. No. It's not easy scoring goals uh, in the A-League. Look, he said,
3: he said he hasn't felt like this. He didn't know he could feel like this again, which means that he's, he's got a bit of a snap in his shorts, Carlos, which... Uh, um, is your favourite saying, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm i very, very happy that he's, he's here. And yeah, look,
2: there's no doubt that someone of his stature, uh, what he's done in the game, the fact that he's still running around okay, I mean, he's not coming as a croc. I mean, Harry Kuehl, we should have really got excited about Harry Kuehl too, but I think anyone who followed his career knew that he didn't come back as the player he used to be, you know, and he hadn't been for a while. So... Tim, It is exciting having him back, and he's in good enough nick Mm. to be able to play well, which is really great for Melbourne City in the game. Uh, So I think we'll get some success there because it's rare that he goes through too many games without playing poorly. But I'm like uh, Rodrigo. I I enjoyed the press conference. He says all the right things. He does. I mean, there was photos of him hugging David Gallup. I mean, I was works. hugging so, David Gallop. It was a little bit awkward. Yeah, I mean, even Warren mentioned the fact that, you know, what tipped him over the line to come back to Australia was his, his son oh, talking yeah, to yeah, his father yeah. and <laughs> saying, Dad, I need to go back to Australia for my own career. Do it for me, Dad. I mean, it's just heartstring it stuff. Was. Yes, it Grasshopper. Was. You know, he says all the right stuff. He has us there, has the media lapping it all up, uh, but he needs to front up and actually play really good football to make a difference now.
4: Melbourne City, probably there were times last season, Warren, you'd agree that they lacked a little bit of leadership and grit at uh, key moments in games. And I think Super Tim certainly uh, is someone whose presence in a squad uh, will be meaningful and helpful to, to, to a team like Melbourne City who didn't always have the spine.
1: Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to seeing him and Bruno play together. I mean, if he's – um, look, if Tim's on form and on touch, they should be one of the most dynamic pairs we've ever seen. I mean – Look, there's no doubt Timmy will be okay.
2: He's physically okay. You know, he's just come out – he's only had four weeks break. He played well in China. Uh, but the, the combination between him and Bruno, that's going to be interesting. I'm yeah. really fascinated about how they're going to make that work because I think they're both – quite pointy end types prongs and, uh, and how you're going to mix those in without taking away Bruno's goal-scoring ability and the fact that Timmy Carl does his best work closest to goals, it'll be interesting to see how that works. It may, look, it may not be a problem in the A-League. These guys might, because they're two good players, they might be able to deal with it. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Van Ship
3: does. Got a couple of text messages here. That's the worst rant ever, and I'm a City fan. That wasn't a rant, uh, rant, by the way. It um, almost sounded like one because it went as long as a rant. In all seriousness, how much do you think it will impact or improve our crowd numbers? Uh,
2: was that off the SMS? Off the SMS. Yeah, that, look, I, I said, and I sort of thought, you know, I was told I was actually being a bit conservative, but if Melbourne City averaged 15,000 oh. genuine fans every week, every home game, I think it's been a success. People are saying, well, they should be bringing 20,000. He may. Right? But I think fifteen thousand from where they've come from, from the sevens and eights yeah. and even lower, a fifteen thousand would be a terrific achievement in its first in the first year of his contract.
1: Well, I think you're gonna see the benefit of him definitely outside derby games. I mean, I would imagine that, you know, fifteen thousand genuine. Yeah. Because we've never been sure about genuine numbers, but I don't know. The first thing my wife said to me was Am I gonna need? Am I gonna struggle to get a ticket if I just rock up? You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Melbourne City fans can just rock up. So, but with if I 15, want, you'd be able to get yeah, a seat. Yeah, but if I want a if I want a decent seat, well, I have to book it. Yeah. Now, I would hope that that's the sort of sense of what you get that people are booking tickets to come along to get the best seats to watch him play and well, watch the team play because you're getting Tim and Bruno. Mm. So that's a fair package. And and Mm. as we said before, if Tim plays well, and you don't even consider
2: this, Mm. him just playing well, uh, I think that would just absolutely be something that, for me, is the icing on the cake.
4: The beauty, I think, for Melbourne City is that Super Tim is – is going to should be hopefully what Archie was to victory. He's such an icon that he's the guy that the kiddies will wear the number on their Mm. shirts. And it's a real opportunity now for Melbourne city to entrench themselves in the hearts and minds of a lot more people. So I hope it pays off for them.
3: And it'll be interesting to see what Melbourne city's numbers are outside of Melbourne. I know you know, that, um, because he's obviously very popular around Australia and especially in Western Sydney. So it's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, the the numbers around the country.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, Kerry, the producer of uh, Andy Mars' show, when I was on there, made the call to City, and they said that in the one day since the announcement, their ticket sales had increased five times the amount that it was this time last year. There you go, by five times. So I don't know what that means. It might, it might not be a bigger number, but it, it did. Uh, you can multiply it by five times.
3: Very interesting. Just quickly off the SMS before we go to uh, the next topic. As much as I respect Tim kale until City win a trophy, there will only ever be one team in melbourne go victory that's uh panna
2: and just off twitter at 40 Diego's, uh randy uh, says i reckon victory will respond with packed stadiums and by being the only successful club in melbourne (laughs) there you go
3: so no no change there uh, as far as randy's concerned um there you go bring back archie good stuff okay let's move to that's off the text message as well let's move to uh the the second topic in the q a and it's angers world cup qualifying squad of course they they take um they take on iraq in perth on the 1st of september any surprises here timmy Kale's in that squad um hasn't played for a little while the only uh,
1: a-league player in the squad
3: yeah <laughs> there you go so
1: there that's, you go that's that's well done there but, it, it, I, I don't reckon there's
2: many talking points no, at all here really, i think uh, he's picked the best available team it's interesting the likes of jason davidson and as is Beech, who are vying during the Asian Cup for that left back spot and Jason also played in the World Cup suddenly not getting any game time at Huddersfield at the moment, which means he's uh, dropped down the uh, the picking order behind the likes of Brad Smith and also um, Gersback uh, Alex Gersback yep. so uh, it, but it's interesting, Brad Smith at Bournemouth on the weekend, he was a $10 million transfer, was on the bench and didn't get a go. Mm. So he, there's no lay down that he's going to be playing regularly at Bournemouth, Bournemouth. And so it would be interesting to see how Ange looks at that, whether Gersback then jumps ahead of Brad Smith or whether if Jason Davidson gets his club career sorted, uh, whether he might be back in the mix at any stage. But the great thing, he's got some real depth there now. Yep.
4: And look, Aaron Moy, who's been playing mm. phenomenally well at Huddersfield, is going to perform because he's just—he's got his mojo. He's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's at the peak, I reckon, of his of his career at the moment. Yeah, and, and Tommy, Tommy Tommy no is scoring. Tommy. At I
2: mean, it's, these boys are starting to play some really good football already. Uh, these guys, uh, the, it, many of them, are all uh, um, playing quite regularly. I think uh, most of them have had good pre seasons with their clubs, so it, it, it's no accident. I think there's only one A League player that's Tim kale in that squad. And if Timmy hadn't signed for City, there would be, no, be no A-League players. So it was all about who's playing, who's been training, um, and who's been contributing their teams. And, that's, and that's, I think it's a fairly strong squad in that yeah, respect.
3: Absolutely. So in, in the group, Australia is in Group B for these uh, World Cup qualification games. Iraq, Japan, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, and United Arab Emirates. It's not far away, actually. The 1st of September mm. is only a couple of weeks away. They take on Iraq in Perth, and then they go to Abu Dhabi to play uh, United Arab Emirates. Um, they play them on the 6th of September. So a couple of uh, Socceroos games to look forward to. Really important Socceroos games to look forward to. Hey, uh, we beat the whistle then. So let's move on to um, the next topic. And it's uh, the Matildas. Did you guys watch the uh, Matildas yeah. against Brazil? Jeez. Well, obviously, for posterity's sake, just in case you don't know, and <laughs> if you don't know, you're living under a rock, uh, the Matildas lost uh, their uh, quarterfinal game to Brazil in a penalty shootout. And yeah. uh, Controversial penalty shootout But Warren What, what did you think About I this was, game I
1: was Well They were I mean They ground The thing I liked About the Matildas Is There was real Grinding character In the game I mean Brazil probably Shaded the chances Over the course Of the game the but, They were the better side there were the better team But You've got to You've got to Go through tournaments Playing like Australia did To be able to progress And And that was Shown in the game That Brazil lost Two nights ago In terms of you know just being in that grind and look i'd like to ask carlos the um, the refereeing official <laughs> with regards to the brazilian goalkeeper yeah in terms of jumping out like she did yeah which is a really effective tac- tactic in terms well, of narrowing illegal. the angle it's illegal. It, it's well what's going on well
2: the ref- i mean the the only job the referees got to do at penalty shootouts is look where the referee, where the goalkeeper's standing. There's also the goal line referee, and there's the assistant referee. They're all looking at the same thing. So it was obviously a hometown <laughs> decision that they weren't going to pull her back doing that. It made a hell of a difference. I mean, ultimately, the girls actually took... The I last think, penalty was a good penalty yeah, too. Yeah, the mm. girls were actually going kick for kick with yeah, these Brazilians. Yep. And, um, and Lydia Williams was always likely to save – well, she did save one. She did. Yeah. And, uh, and she could have – you know, if it went for longer, she may have had a chance of saving another. It was completely illegal what the Brazilian goalkeeper was doing and the referees at fault because they didn't pick her up on it. Have they come out and acknowledged that? No, They won't. No, no, they?
1: No.
2: Really, do they care about Australia? I mean, the fact that there was, a, uh, there was outrage on Twitter – do you think that the officials over in Brazil would care? I mean, their own little their girls went through. It's, you know, no one's talking about that overseas. The only people talking about it are, are Australians, and uh, and it, it's interesting. Nothing's come out of the camp too. I've tried to get in touch with the camp and get mm. someone on tonight. Mm. They're they're partying now. Well, it doesn't know. matter anymore about uh, about that game.
1: I actually wanted to ask the question. I didn't see the next penalty shootout that Brazil lost actually to Sweden. Yeah, yeah. Whether the goalkeeper did exactly the same thing in that penalty shootout because, yeah, I, look, it was really well taken. the whole The whole lot of penalties were well taken yeah. by both sides. It was just
3: disappointing. Yeah, look, it was fan- uh, the sense of pride that I had mm-hmm. for the Matildas. Your chest yeah. was bursting. I'm oh, oh, chest it? was
2: bursting. Bursting. It
3: was. Uh, it was I,
2: gutsy. They 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 really did play. What disappoints me is technically we're still not up to it. But, but and and fair enough. But yeah. but um. You
3: know, the, I, I was just so I was so disappointed, but um, but so so thrilled that that you know they I don't know I just felt really proud. Yeah. So congratulations to the Matildas, they did us all proud, and I think you know most of the people that watch that game would think the same. Now it's time for Warren's rant.
5: Everybody was fighting.
1: Those kids were On the back of the penalty shootout that the Matildas <laughs> suffered from. What I'm saying tonight, and I don't know whether it's a rant or just dissatisfaction, I'm becoming increasingly dissatisfied with the penalty shootout as a means of finishing our game. And I'm even thinking from the point of view that we are left with the players on the pitch at the end of the game to take the penalties. And clearly, a lot of the time, the best players who have been substituted for different reasons or defenders or attackers, they don't get a chance. I'm just thinking... Is there a better way of finishing a game without the dissatisfaction of a penalty shootout? And while I'm at it, Arsene Wenger, <laughs> if you're not going to be able to get your side physically prepared for the start of the Premier League season, surely it's time to pull stumps on your own career yourself before you're pushed. That's Warren's rant.
3: Final. And this is 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. Looking forward to a top of 21 degrees tomorrow. So, uh, nice, nice day in Melbourne. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, just quickly, off the SMS, Peter in Cheltenham. Super Tim and Bruno will find a way to work together and mesmerise Melbourne victory. Don't worry, Diego's, except for Warren. That's Peter in Cheltenham. <laughs> um, did you see Pelé coming onto the field and hug the Brazilians and ignored our girls? That was off the SMS. I actually, I must have missed that.
2: But anyway. Pelé's getting on a bit... These days He is Is he off the Viagra Vinny? (laughs) Because he was He he was the ambassador For Viagra
4: I think that's been been The problem there uh, Carlos um, (laughs) He didn't stop taking it And uh, he's all gone stiff I I (laughs) I thought
3: it was pre-Viagra Wasn't it the nasal spray? Anyway Yeah Anyway They call it nasal technology Wasn't it? Right yeah Yeah. yeah, That's right Hey boys uh, As part of our Football Bosses series uh, Earlier in the week We Mm. spoke to We spoke to A good friend of the Diegos, Perth Glory CEO uh, Peter Philopoulos, and uh, I started by asking how the pre-season was shaping up.
5: Yeah, look, I think uh, our work has been pretty evident that we've been pretty active in the in the the transfer market from an on-field perspective, and uh, I suppose our planning started last November. Um, I think everybody saw uh, the activity uh, during the January transfer market, and you know, a lot of those uh, a lot of those decisions made back then were with a longer-term lens. And, uh, you know, that continued with the season finished and uh, we've made some signings since then. And we're pretty pleased with the way the squad's been building.
2: Peter, it's Carlos. Uh, one thing I love about what you guys are doing, and I know they've been trying to do it even before you came, but they weren't really successful, but you're managing to do it now, is getting the homegrown young stars back or the guys who have gone overseas, uh, you know, done, you know, varyingly... Difference in in how successful they are, but you're bringing them back now, uh, and uh, you, you had a couple last year that came back, but now Reese Williams is back. Uh, you've got to be happy with uh, with the recruiting. Yeah,
5: no, absolutely. It, w- it wasn't ac- it wasn't an accident. Um, you know, I, when we released our uh, strategy late last year, I think people would have seen from a football perspective that. You know, we made a we made a made it a strategic objective to retain the best of WA talent, but also to repatriate the best of WA talent. And uh, you know, some of these boys coming back, like roston Griffiths and and Reece uh, Williams and uh, um, Shane Lowry, Adam Taggart. You know, it was an opportune time. Uh, they wanted to come back all at the same time, and, and we jumped on that, uh, on the back of what our strategy is. And, uh, you know, a key role was played by Kenny and, and the close relationship he has with, with all those uh, players and has had for a long time as part of when, from what back when he ran the NPC here at Football West. So, you know, we're very happy that they're back. Um, you know, we've also lost some along the way to the Eastern States. We know
2: where they are, and, and hopefully one day we'll get some of those guys. <laughs> now, uh, Pete, Chris Hurd, uh, he's one that I was really excited about. Uh, he's a guy that's uh, obviously supremely talented from a young age, uh, played at a high level, uh, but sort of lost his way a bit over there. And when he signed back here after a lot of injury problems, I thought he's coming home to get himself right. Uh, but uh, now he's had a bit of a backflip and he's staying back in England. Uh, how much can you tell us about what happened there?
5: Well, look, there's nothing. There's no secret, and I think we've been quite transparent as to what happened. Uh, you know, they were originally coming. I mean, Chris signed the contract, and uh, we were delighted that he signed the contract, and he made a decision to come to Perth. But, uh, you know, he was always going to come on his own for the first few months, and his, his wife and, and child, two-and-a-half-year-old child, were going to follow. In the end, they decided as a family they weren't quite ready to make that big move back to Perth. Uh, he, his wife is an English girl and, uh, uh, and for whatever reason they decided as a family they weren't quite ready to make that move and you know, unfortunately Chris was left in a position where we had to decide what he, what he wanted to do. He decided it wasn't ready for him to come back uh, at this time. Uh, he made a call, we had a very honest conversation and empathetically we let him out of the contract. I mean there's not much you can do, you, you, you need to have a player fully on board and you know, he wasn't going to leave his family behind and, and come to Perth to play for us unfortunately.
1: Peter, um, apparently Stan Lazaridis wants to make a comeback because he reckons <laughs> that uh, Perth are in such good shape for the next season. and He'd like to play. Look, you, um, you and your coach had a tumultuous 12 months in terms of what happened before you were there, and 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 him as coach with the the salary cap issues. Looking back on last season, you must have been extremely proud of the combined efforts of yourself, your coach, and your players in terms of re-establishing Perth glory. And I, I was, um particularly taken with how hard you became to beat you you came to be beaten away from home like you were a hard team to beat i was at that melbourne victory game that you played at amy park on a sunday afternoon and it was just a really solid gritty performance from a group of guys that committed that's a real marker isn't it in terms of i suppose your club your brand and the way that you're going to play your football going forward
5: no, definitely, and you know what we did last year was work very very hard on our club culture and the type of culture we wanted to to be known for uh, internally and externally and you know the boys have resonated uh, to that they know what we what we want to be and what we aspire to be and, uh, you know, they're all on board and I think what really helped us as a football club was that, you know, putting together that strategy, that four-year strategy where everybody was involved and, you know, we all had an opportunity to, to say we're, what we want the club to look like and, and, and be like in four years' time and I think that's galvanised the club on-field and off-field and uh, we're all heading in that direction as one And uh, um, and, you know, that strategy has also helped get some of these you know, uh, ex-Western Australians back to, to the to, to the team. And, you know, there's a lot of belief um, uh, on field. There's a lot of belief off field. There's a strong sense of strategic direction. And we're all heading towards that. And uh, credit goes to our chairman, who's, who's given us the latitude to, to put this plan together. And, and hopefully we have some success this year.
3: Here in the 40s Diego's, we're speaking with Perth Glory CEO, Peter Philopoulos.
5: Now, Peter... The the rumours we were getting here in Melbourne,
2: uh, probably rumours started by yeah. the 48ers, I'm not quite <laughs> sure, but uh, that Mark Swartzer was a possibility to join you guys at Perth. And that excited me, not only because he's a legend of the yeah. game, but if you had Ante Kovic and Mark Swartzer in the same <laughs> squad, I think combined, that would be a Guinness World Record Correct. as yeah. far as the age group of your first yeah. two keepers
5: are concerned. Was there any truth in that rumour at all? Yeah, there was. And look, the thing, that the, you know, the, the exciting part for me is that it you know 12 months on um the types of conversations we are having with players from all over the world Um, And the interest in Perth Gorey uh, is, is, you know, unrecognisable. So, you know, people actually want to be part of what we're building here. You know, they're they're noticing what we're doing. So we are having a lot of interesting conversations. And, um, you know, one of the strategic objectives, again, going back to the strategy, is that we want to be a destination club. But, you know, for aspiring young footballers and established footballers all over the country, we all want to be a a destination club. And, you know, we're, we're quite encouraged by the conversations we've had and continue to have the players, the types of players that want to come to Perth Quarry. So, you know, other than Mark Schwartz, we also spoke to Tim Carl to see where he was at. I don't think many, you know, many clubs in the A-League spoke to him, but we certainly spoke to him on two or three occasions as well, just to understand what uh, he wanted to do. And he was also excited about what we're building here. Unfortunately, we couldn't get to a position to, to get him to Perth and uh, good on Melbourne City for getting him on board. But Yeah, they're the sort of things that we're doing and we're going to continue to do to to become more and more of a destination club.
1: So Peter, you'll definitely continue to pursue opportunities around marquees and, and the money that's available from the FFA around that sort of marquee interest.
5: Oh, not now we don't, we won't. I mean, we were speaking to Tim well before we knew what we were doing with Diego Castro, but, you know, signing Diego Castro pretty much put that to a close, but, you know, we're done and dusted for the, for this season, uh, other than a couple of minor spots, but, uh, you know, maybe so. sometime in the future we'll be in a position to do so.
1: Now, as a Melbourne City fan, Peter, I'm still a little bit upset about Bruno fornarelli <laughs> and Diego Castro, and we won't go down that path. Just <laughs> remind me how good this guy is, because I think there is a sense that we undervalue, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. What are the things that is going to be so good about me seeing him against Bruno Fornarelli in his second season as your marquee player?
5: Look, I don't know what we're going to get. Hopefully we're going to get something more exciting than what we've got last year. But, you know, there, there there is a belief, and I see it now as a Victorian coming into Perth, you know, had you put last season a you know Sydney FC or, or a Melbourne shirt on Diego Castro, he would have been seen a lot differently than what he was wearing a Perth Glory shirt. He was outstanding. I mean, he was unbelievable, and uh, you know, he was better than what we ever expected to get. And I don't think he actually got the kudos he should have got, um, and hence why we were, were delighted he got the Johnny Warren Medal because that for us was due recognition. But you know, and Bruno was just as good. Um, and probably was very close in the, at the end of the day. But, you know, Diego Castro was an outstanding talent, um, and a lot of people forget that the season prior coming to us, he was with Harland in La Liga in Spain. So, you know, it's a p- type of player, the quality of, 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 of Diego Castro. We should be delighted that he's in the A-League.
2: Now, Peter, the Diego's have known you for a long, long time. You're a lovely bloke who does his job really, really well. Uh, But with Greg O'Rourke now, the head of the A-League, I know that you would have picked up the phone and rung him and not asked him what he's going to do first, but tell him what he's going to be doing first. What was the first thing? What's the first thing? If you haven't haven't had a chat to him yet, what's the first thing you're going to actually say to him? This is the priority, not only for Perth Glory, but for the A-League.
5: Oh look, I think the A League is a is a you know great competition, but you know for me, I think we need to. And I've said it before, and I've written about it. Uh, I think we need to to really look at our marketing and you know get smarter with our marketing and fish where the fish are. You know, we talk about our participation base, uh, but for me, I don't think we're doing enough to connect the participation base with the A League, and that's where we need to get you know, rolling up our sleeves and working harder to do that. You know, the 23% conversion of participants to, to A-League brands is not good enough. Um, and we, we need to, you know, uh, improve on that significantly and then we'll get the results in the terraces.
3: Hey, Peter, as always, we really appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the rest of the pre-season and uh, look forward to speaking with you uh, during the A-League season proper.
5: No, thanks, guys, and I appreciate your time.
3: No worries. Thank There's you. Peter Philopoulos, the CEO of Perth Glory. And a uh, CEO who's doing great things, um, a football boss, as we call him here on the Diego, is doing great things for his club in Perth. You liked him, didn't you, Pete? Uh, <laughs> Rodrigo. I did. I yeah. think. Um, I think he's he's done some fantastic things for that club. You know, I think they were almost, they were almost setting the benchmark last year in terms of fan engagement and trying to bring those fans. Because we all know that Perth have got. You know, they in the old days had yep. you know the biggest crowds and and the you know very vocal fans, and um, he's trying to bring them back.
2: What I like about Peter Philopoulos, he was there as the CEO, I think that was his or general manager of South Melbourne Hellas all those years ago in the old inner cell. Uh, he oversaw South Melbourne at the time when Perse Glory first came into the mix. you remember that? They were getting 18,000 crowds. We'd never seen it. Well, I think Newcastle KB used to get the 18,000 crowds. Oh, I was crowds, there but, some days. Yeah, but Perse Glory was that, that club yeah, in modern day huge. that was suddenly getting those big crowds and the, the singing and the chanting and they you know, fill the stadium with a chicken treat king in there in, with Nick, Nick Tana. Well, Peter Philopolis was was looking at that from across the country and South Melbourne regarded themselves the biggest club in in Australia at that time so it seems quite ironic that he's ended up there and now trying to relive those old days almost at at Perth but doing a wonderful job and he's just so just so terrific Mm. with uh, you know sharing his experiences and uh, his ability to get you know a very difficult, it's a little bit of a difficult market over there but getting them all you know collaborating together and working together to try and fill that stadium over there.
3: And we're going to continue the Football Bosses series in the coming weeks too uh, in the lead up to the A-League uh, season. Just off the uh, um, Twitter, Twitter Twitter here at 4Diego's. Hey, Fort Diego's Tim Cahill will do wonders for football in Oz. Anthony Grimer, um, Mr. FFE we call him. Yes. Uh, he'll influence all kids to choose football like they choose Wheat Bix for Brekkie. <laughs> nice one there, Anthony. A bit of endorsement there. Yeah, look, i choose Wheat Bix for Brecky. I only have 15, but um, <laughs> that, that could be a problem. But uh, hey, let's take a break now and come back with Mike McGrath here on the Fort Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's Home of Sport. Yes, it's nice to be here uh, during an Olympiad uh, or an Olympics, uh, Warren, but you, you, you've been... Do you been... think
1: it's worth all the money we spend? Yeah, I do, I do. You do? hmm <laughs> Okay. It's about it's... $250 million. Sport. I don't want to
4: know if the uh, golfers or the tennis players get get funding, but I I think it's very important for those other sports, the minor sports where...
1: What's a minor sport, like water polo?
4: Yeah, well, sports that don't Is get as much exposure. Is swimming a minor sport? You know, swimming, <laughs> don't, start don't, give
2: me, don't give me started with one. swimming, but unless a princess of the pool is named Vesna one day,
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't care about swimming. It is a first world sport, isn't it, Carlos? Oh,
2: the, the lack of diversity yes, in that sport the lack of diversity. drives me mad. I want to see an Effie, the queen of the pool. See, I want to see Vesna. You
1: know, I'll be controversial here just for the sake of getting a few The, the princess of the pool. You know, pool. Michael Phelps versus Usain Bolt, if you want to make that direct compar- comparison, 23 medals 23 gold medals 29 medals against now seven it's not even a competition Usain's just he could carry Michael Phelps on his shoulders as far as I'm concerned
3: anyway um watch the olympics that's my editorial no, that's, that's my that's, that's rant that's thanks very much yeah it's uh, the 40 what was what, <laughs> what, what, that show we used to do which was Winning Ugly Winning Ugly thank you very much hey we're uh, trying to get Mike McGrath my best from, the work, s- that. from the sun in the UK <laughs> the yeah. Winning yeah. Ugly stuff oh, you came into your own
1: because <laughs> I don't know much about football I know a fair bit about other things you do you know you came into thanks your own very
3: much. horse racing yeah yep, um, yep. That's about it, really. By the
4: way, Rodrigo, my, my um, app unlocked and uh, apparently, man, you won that game. <laughs> did, you, did you check I'm, the scorers? <laughs> yes, I'm excited. Yeah, you should be have happy.
2: you run into anyone who's happy about Optus's coverage of the EPL? No, I, have I, not. I haven't either. In fact, we took half an hour of talk back on Andy Mar's show the other day and there wasn't one happy person. You know,
1: my problem with what you just said is you're giving the impression they have a coverage of the Premier League. <laughs> it's sort of... Yeah,
4: Well, oh, but potentially it's all there It's very efficient uh, But I don't think yep. the, the live platform is, is no. quite uh, prepared but, as it should be But let me tell you, the people that have got Optus are very, very happy
3: mm. Anyway, hey, uh, Mike McGrath is locked and loaded now G'day, Mike, welcome to the Diegos
0: Hi, guys, thanks for having me
3: on Yeah, where are you? You're in the... You're in the
2: um, yeah, which tube
0: line were you on? <laughs> I was just on the uh, Victoria line um, just uh, running across London, trying to see what's happening, oh, um, no. trying to find out a few transfers and uh, just come back home now.
3: Well, it's Rodrigo here, Vinnie, Warren and uh, Carlos. Is there anything that you can tell us before you print it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: it's, pretty, you, it's pretty quiet this week. I think, it's gonna, I think everybody's, everybody's just um, waiting until that usual final week, uh, usual final five days of the window. I mean, nobody ever really learns it, uh, and it's just going to be, I think, the same panic at the end when people are going to try and buy strikers.
4: Uh, Mike, uh, just uh, focusing on the other end of the pitch, Joe Hart, you know, Pep, Pep Guardiola's uh, benching him. Yeah. Is he on his way?
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, he is. He's been told to find another club, is, is what he's been told. Um, it's a massive blow. I think, um, I've got to say, I'm in Joe Hart's camp on this one. I, I don't think um, Pep's handled this very well. He obviously doesn't race him, that's one thing, but he hasn't got much else in the in the locker in terms of Willy Caballero. I don't think he's any better than Joe Hart. So you have a situation there where he's, you know, maybe Pep's a bit too stubborn to um, actually just play him for the games until he gets his man in. Um, Maybe it's a, a part of it might be Pep Guardiola really stamping his authority on the place and saying, right, this is my team, this is how I'm going to do it, I've got no room for him, uh, for Joe Hart, you're going to see how ruthless I am, and I'm going to drop him. Um, I think, you know, it's fine when you're winning 1-0, but it, it, it might return to haunt them at the weekend or when, when Caballero makes a mistake with his feet.
2: Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, how about the rumors about Claudio Bravo uh, leaving Barcelona and going to Manchester City? It's, uh, it's so obvious that uh, Pep Guardiola is looking for a ball-playing center, uh, sorry, goalkeeper, of which Joe Hart is not and probably feels he'll never be. Uh, how about the rumor about Claudio Bravo coming? Could that uh, allay some of your fears about uh, Willie?
0: you very nearly said it, uh, a centre-back, because that's kind of what he's after, uh, a goalkeeper that can play as yep. another centre-back. Um, and that is what he'll get in Claudio Bravo. And the information we've got over here is that it's getting closer. It could get done this week. Uh, they're saying in Spain that it's actually done. I don't think that it's been absolutely signed off, but we are expecting that one to get done. Um, and And then Pep will have his man... I just think that, you know, regardless of what you think of Joe high, he's a better keeper than Willy Caballero, and he should have played last night and against Sunderland at the weekend. You know, even if you're going to act somebody, I still think you should play your best keeper when he's available.
1: Yeah, I would have thought goalkeepers need to stop the ball going into the back of their <laughs> net, but perhaps I'm a little bit ignorant, Mike. Um, <laughs> I know. Tell me... What, he wants. you want? Yeah. <laughs> tell me... Um, three things that you learnt from the start of the season? Because me, I'm a little bit... I'm going over the top a little bit, you know, but I don't want to mention Liverpool. But, you know, <laughs> Chelsea won, Manchester United won, Man City won, Liverpool won, Leicester lost, Arsenal lost, Tottenham drew. So, did you learn much about those teams? What What are the couple of things you bring away from the first week of the season? Uh, I mean,
0: it was just a fantastic weekend. Just United ruthlessness. Uh, I, I thought that while it was the most entertaining game of the season, it's kind of so far we've only had ten games. Um, I, I think Liverpool and Arsenal both showed you know how much um, how much work they've got to do. Uh, seven goals, yes, but Arsenal have got nothing at the back, of, uh, and and Liverpool have got a left back who is so short on confidence that it looks like James Milner's going to play there this this weekend. Um, but as great a game that was, I think they've got a lot of work to do. Um, I was really I, I didn't think city were that good I, that was a game I watched. I think mean, pep's got um, Pep's got a lot of work to do in between matches as well. Um, so very entertaining. And, uh, uh, you know, I think it's going to be as unpredictable
2: as it was last year. Mike, uh, Paul Parker, the uh, former Manchester United uh, player who's won a few things with Manchester United over the years is a commentator these days, and he was quoted over the last couple of days saying that Wayne Rooney's finished, he's overweight, he's slow, he's only getting a game for marketing reasons there at Manchester United. Um, is that just a bitter and twisted commentator, or is, do you think there's some truth to that?
0: I don't really agree with that, to be honest. I think, you know, the guy uh, the, the guy started number 10 for United he, and he is closing in on being their top scorer. He's got something about him and I don't think he's overweight either. I think he's, he's always been of a shape, you know, and he's not one of these kind of gazelles that, are gonna, that can play left-back or winger and, and, and go up and down the pitch. So I don't think he's overweight. I think there's a massive role for Rooney to play. What what they've got in Pogba is somebody who is going to really sell the shirts and be part of that part of the the heart of that team for 10 years. Rooney won't be there for 10 years, but he still could be there for for another two or three uh, and can play a part. He might not start every single game, but I think yeah, it'd be it'd be silly to write him off. You know, he's still scored the most amount of goals for England that anybody else has. So I think he's he's part of that. He's, he's part of Sam Allardyce's plan. And I'm sure he'll, he, he will still get 15 goals this season, even if he isn't the world beater that he was uh, in 2004.
1: Mike, I, this is more passing on some information, but it's quite incredible. The talking heads on Liverpool Press Box, which I think you'd be well suited to, <laughs> can I say... They mentioned that since Sir Alex Ferguson has left Manchester United, they have spent half a billion dollars on transfers. It does put it in perspective how much money there is in the game. Half a billion in transfers in, what, four seasons? And they might not have... I think they are the biggest spenders, but the money around the transfers this season and across the board is absolutely incredible, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it's actually... Pounds, not dollars. Yeah, Half a billion 30.
1: dollars um, pounds.
0: Yeah. yeah, so it's even more. It is, that is an accurate figure. It's, it's, it might be since the Woodward era, since Woodward took over from David Gill, but they have got through that, that money um, and obviously not all of it well spent, like, um, like Angel Di Maria. It is a sign of the times that Liverpool are, are, are rejecting bids of 20-odd million for Christian Benteke, they're thinking we don't need to sell him to a, to a uh, you know, unless we get the 30, 32 million we want, we don't need to sell him. That's the sign of the times just as much as um, a down payment of 89 million will get you full Pogba. Um, I think, yes, it is. That is, is an amazing amount of money that we've got at the moment. But I do think United um, are in a position where, because they've got so much money, they can take bigger gambles on players. Um, and they are the biggest vendors still. Um unfortunately it hasn't added up to um, it hasn't added up to Premier League win since Fergie's left as well. So I think there's you know, every window you get uh, a little bit more pressure put on Ed Woodward and these uh, these transfers to, to come good.
3: Hey Mike, uh, we're gonna to have to let you go, but um Thanks for your time tonight, and uh, hope you get to where you need to go, and uh, and uh, get that story in before deadline. Thanks for your time, and enjoy the weekend. Cheers, guys. Thanks There's Mike McGrath from the Sun in the UK. Let's take a break now, and come back with more of the Diegos on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sports. Double, double. Yes, just a little bit more of the Diego's. Thanks for your time tonight. We're back, of course, next Wednesday. But um, just a shout out to Melbourne City's Ivan Franjic, who yeah. has got a, uh, an inflammation of the heart, a virus that uh, causes his heart to inflame. So he need, needs to take some uh, time off indefinitely, basically. So the Diego's thoughts to Ivan Franjic.
2: It's scary when they say he's got to stop training and it's indefinite. Mm. So you yep. just don't know where it's going. But they, gladly, I think the prognosis is that he'll be right it's just going to take some time yeah. don't forget also by the way we've got the full interview of Peter Philopolis uh, on podcast tomorrow in the afternoon too so we only got a snippet today the, the editors full, cut. The full interview the, the long version is on tomorrow
3: so uh, tomorrow afternoon nice one Carlos uh, yeah, check us out on at uh, 4 on Twitter on Facebook of course hey um, just before we go but just um, very quickly is Brisbane Raw going to be around um, oh <laughs> she-
2: there are just, it's just, it's, <laughs> it just doesn't seem right that we go, or the, the game goes and invests in Tim Cale, and so, we've still got a club that mm. can't pay its players on time. Yeah. The CEO who is at loggerheads with John Aloisi mm. has now left, blaming the owners. Um, they haven't been pay, paying the players for, regularly for a while. Yeah. It's just a, a nightmare at a club that's done so well over oh, the years. I just thought I'd throw that in right at yeah. the end. Hey, uh, Let's... That's it
3: for the Diego's Don't forget all night Appetite with Scott Cootie So remember Cutalosh. we're Where are Puerto Rican girls Hang out
1: We'll be there We'll be there Wherever Where Where
4: the girls with fruit On their head And balls of their feet We'll be there, there? Wherever the gringos Play football We'll be there? there
3: We are the Four Diego Alley. Alley.